Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Yeah, But Seriously podcast. On this show, we interview leaders in the entertainment industry about their journey, their passions, and their work. Yeah, the names change, but each story is unique. So seriously, buckle your seatbelt, because it's gonna be great. Enjoy the show, give us a shout-out at Yeah. But seriously.com. This episode is brought to you by SharkMovieShirts.com. The name says it all. If you're in the market for an aquatic horror genre shirt, you've come to the right place. Visit SharkMovieShirts.com slash YBS for 10% off your next order. So, Austin, you... Just got back from shooting in Oklahoma. How was that? Tell us a little bit about the trip. Oh, well, I didn't know that I was going to have to drive. So that was a bit of a surprise. I live in Los Angeles and I thought like, okay, you know, flying during COVID is going to be interesting, but, you know, manageable because it's only like a three hour flight or something. And then um, apparently Oklahoma had implemented a rule that if you were flying from one of the quote unquote hotspots for COVID, that you would have to quarantine in an additional two weeks before you'd be allowed out in, you know, the open. And we obviously couldn't have that happen because we were set to begin production within like five days of, of the green light. Um, and so they were like, you're going to have to drive. And I'm like, Oh, so you mean staying in a hotel during COVID in a state that may or may not be like following any rules whatsoever. So that was, that was definitely interesting. I had happened to score a five pack of uh, Clorox wipes, which I was more excited about than some projects that I've booked in my life. <laughs> um, so I uh, Clorox wipes underarm, like Clorox wipes my way across the United States, like every single, you know, rest up bathroom, um, all the doors, all the faucet handles, all the soap dispensers, the, you know, you name it, it got cleaned. Um, and we, we, of course, had on masks. Um, I'm referring to myself and then the couple that we I caravanned with them because we weren't allowed to ride in the same car because we don't live together. So it was, it was one of the protocols. Um, so that was that the trip there was a very interesting journey filled with a lot of fear um, and guesswork. But we did it. And then, uh, and then I got to Oklahoma and some of the people there were like pretending like the... Um, the the virus didn't exist, but the majority of the people were taking it very seriously, which was very nice to see. I mean, I think you're going to see a mixed bag of both wherever you go. Um, right. But the majority of the people were really still, you know, wearing masks and keeping their social distance and and all that kind of kind of stuff, which was which made me feel much safer than if I had been in you know a state that was just kind of going what what coronavirus. But you know, we had a ton of. Uh, safety protocols set in place for everybody on the cast and crew, including the people who lived in the houses we were shooting in, the people who worked in the businesses we were filming in, anybody who may work with them or, or um, you know, uh, visit them frequently or anything like that. Everybody had to prove that they had um, a negative COVID result before they were allowed on set or before we were allowed to to shoot there. So there, you know, that made all of the actors feel really safe you know we still abided by all of the safety protocols but we didn't have fear on top of you know 
thinking about our performances every single day, which was nice. Yeah, man, that's, I mean, we live in wild times right now, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, man. So, but you also wrote this movie, right? I did. I did. This is uh, my first produced screenplay. So it was extremely exciting to see something that had only lived in my head be created before me. The The major freak out came when I was in the costume fitting because I, I acted in it as well. And um, I'm sitting there watching. The, our costume designer was so amazing. Her name was Valerie Parker. And she actually made the majority of our costumes by hand. Um, you know, thank goodness she was a skilled seamstress because a lot of the stores still were not open. So she couldn't, <laughs> she couldn't have had a, uh, you know, mall to go to, even if she'd wanted to. Um, well, I wouldn't, put, wouldn't have even thought about that. <laughs> like that's one yeah. of those things where it didn't even cross my mind that that would be a problem. Yeah. Like most of the stores were not open, but this woman is just, she's a magician with, with a piece of cloth and a sewing machine and seeing her put dresses on um, the different characters that she had hand sewn to be, to suit their particular character personality I, I like was a ball of tears in the corner. I'm like, this is happening. People made clothes for characters that I invented. Like it was, it was the wildest feeling. And I, I uh, God, I just want to do that every single day for the rest of my life. <laughs> it was really great. That's awesome. And so, I mean, I think a lot of people know you uh, for your acting, but I mean, you're, you're a, a one-stop shop filmmaker almost. I mean, you, you, we've produced a movie together. <laughs> I was looking through that when, when we were looking at that. So I know you've done a fair amount of producing and, and your writing career is starting to take off. Um, tell me about what it was like to link up with these guys to get your, uh, your first screenplay on to, uh, you know, get made. Well, I, um, you know, I'm in that interesting age as an actress where it's like, do you really exist if you're in your thirties? Um, you know, they're like, well, I just don't know if we're going to have any roles for you because you're in your thirties. Like you can't play the grandmother yet. And you certainly are not going to be the love interest, you know? So it's, it's that like dark time in an actress's uh, life where the rule, the roles just become fewer and far farther between. And I've, I've had a passion for writing for a while but never really had the time to pursue it. And um, when acting got a little bit more scarce, I started reading every book that I possibly could and, and taking all these classes. And I've written four features and I've developed four series and written the pilot for three of those. Um, and uh, so when I met the producer of this movie, Danny Roth and John Mayhew, they, they actually both were on the film in, in, uh, in Detroit that I shot last November. When I met them, I had a you know brief conversation with Danny and I said, um, I have some projects uh, actually that I've written that I think, you know, he might really like. And he was like, sure, send them over. And I don't think that he was ready because um, I had, in addition to the eight projects that I had you know completed that were kind of ready to go, I had, you know, 10 or 11 additional ideas for, for features that I had, you know, developed out. Um, and his response was, uh, wow, you've, you've been busy. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've, I've taken the past two years to really focus on learning how to, how to become a writer so that I could write work for myself and for my friends and, and just create jobs in general. I think that that's like the coolest part about producing and writing 
is that you get to give other people jobs. And I don't think that there's anything cooler than knowing that you're helping somebody pay their bills. For me, that just is, that's where it's at. Um, so uh, he, you know, immediately was like, great, I think we're going to be able to work together. And, you know, uh, I wrote the script in early January. It took me only six days because once I sit down to write, I can kind of just get into a zone. I attribute that to be being an actor where we have to create under duress. I don't know that there's any other art form that's really like that. You know what I mean? Because we get we get sides and we have to go in and audition. And it's, it's kind of like, okay, you've got 12 hours to make this entire thing just a masterpiece. So go. Um, and because I've been in patterned to create you know, really quickly and, and under pressure, I think it's, it's translated into my writing where I'm able to sit down and look at a blank page and go, okay, I've got to, I've got to make something, I've got to create it. And, um, you know, sometimes I can write 20 pages a day, um, if I really get cooking. Um, so yeah, I wrote it in early January and then that's it. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. So wrote the script in January. Your completed photography when? Uh June fifteenth. Wow. That's yeah. crazy quick turnaround. I wonder if post is gonna fly by as, as fast as uh, <laughs> your your prep and production. How's that look? I think probably. Yeah, I mean they I think that they already have an assembly assembly cut together. because, um, you know, everyone has just been sitting on their hands for how many months? just waiting to do something, you know? So I'm sure that everyone's like, yay, let's edit. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, we were actually set to start in late March. Um, and then obviously COVID happened. Um, but Danny was like unflappable. He was like, no, no, it's going to be fine. We're going to make our movie. You know, it'll, it may, it'll, be, it'll just be pushed a couple months. And I'm like, okay, it's not happening. But he, he was right. And I mean, I don't know what kind of like rabbits he had to pull out of hats in order to get this off the ground, but it, it happened and it worked. And you, all of us uh, had to get tested again when we got home to prove that we didn't catch coronavirus. And, you know, so far every single person that I've spoken to had a negative test result. And, you know, I imagine we would have been informed if um, somebody came back positive because then we would all have to quarantine ourselves, you know? Um, so it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy that we pulled this off and that we were the first bag uh, after green light post quarantine. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's that's wild. Um, when I saw the what was it? It was a Variety article or a Hollywood Reporter article. Um, Variety, yeah, yeah, Variety. Uh, when when that came out, uh, I saw you post about that, and I was reading that. I was like, this is crazy. These guys, uh, yeah, I, I can't believe this happened already, you know, and nobody even really knew about it. it we wild. had to keep it really quiet. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. like I had to, I had to pretend like I was still in Los Angeles and, you know, cause if I said I was in Oklahoma, people would be like, why are you in Oklahoma? We're, we're in the middle of a, of a global pandemic, you know? Yeah. So none of us could even really talk about where we were, um, what we were doing, nothing. It was, it was kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, because we were the first and there was a lot of pressure on us, um, we just really wanted to make sure that we did it right. And, you know, I was I was watching all of these other productions being like, we're the first, you know, sag after a green light post-COVID. And I was like, not really, but it's okay. Everyone's excited. Everyone's so excited to get back to work. We're just going to be like, sure, of course you are, um, you, you know, because we couldn't say it. And then on top of that, 
I was also watching a bunch of um, independent filmmakers and writers that I know and follow just lose their minds. Like we're never going to work again. It's, you know, it's impossible to, to make a movie right now. And, you know, we just kind of had to sit there and go, okay, well, we're going to let them know in like two weeks that they can make a movie again, you know, but we just, we couldn't, we couldn't blow our cover. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. I imagine yeah. that being really difficult and the timing being essential to that where, uh, I mean, did you see the stuff about Harry Connick Jr. shooting in New Orleans? No, he's a good friend of mine. I didn't even see this. Okay. Yeah. He, I don't, I don't know if he was actually on screen for any of it, but I know it was, uh, he was producing it or something. And, um, the timing of it was terrible and he got some pretty serious backlash on, um, shooting in new Orleans during that time period. So, and I really think it was just a timing issue because if it would have waited a little longer, um, probably wouldn't have received the kind of feedback that they did. So it was, uh, yeah, I know Harry extremely well. Like he's, he's a very dear friend of mine. So I can guarantee you that his intentions were nothing but the best. Um, Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm sure. And he's also a germaphobe. He's also, he's extremely careful. Like I remember on, on Dolphin Tail, I had a slight cold and he was like, I love you. You're going to have to stand about 10 feet away from me. (laughs) I mean, so I'm, I'm sure he also took every precaution that, that was needed. But again, you know, it's kind of the wild west right now where we're, we're all figuring it out, you know? Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. I think it was even something where he was trying to, uh, he was trying to, you know, like uplift people's spirits. I think it was supposed to be like a positive piece about COVID. I bet this was his, his, like his, uh, singing thing that he had, it was on CBS this past Sunday. Yeah, I'll I'll have to check. I'll have to find it, and if if I do find it, we'll we'll post it in the the description for the for the show. But backtracking a little bit, tell me a little bit about the the first project you linked up with Danny Danny Roth. Yeah, yeah, the project in Detroit <laughs> that you're talking about earlier. So that uh, that was a, a thriller for Lifetime. You know, not unlike the ones that you and I worked on together. It was shot in 12 days, which is just like so fast. To, to make a feature and it was in Detroit in in the middle of November and it was nine degrees and it snowed a foot on our first day of production. It was crazy. Oh, and they were supposed to be shooting exteriors that entire day. I, I'm yeah. Like, so it's, it's dumping snow and they're supposed to be like at the park, you know, playing. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, this is how kids play in Detroit. <laughs> Yeah, this, this, is, this is just normal. But uh, we we shot that movie and it, like I'm just still so shocked that we got it done. It's just, a, you know, a huge testament to how amazing our crew and director were because that first day set us back so, so much. You know, they were they were trying to accomplish like almost 13 pages with the company move and all exteriors and it's snowed a foot and we had to reschedule all of that. And it's like, to have to do that on a, on a 12 day shoot is just, it's insane. It's insane. But somehow we got it done and um, everybody just really involved with the movie was amazing. And uh, somehow we got chosen to kick off Lifetime's 30th anniversary of original movies, which started on, um, on May 30th. Uh, and that was crazy because I've been a Lifetime fan literally since I can remember watching movies, I like I would come home from swim team 
and make myself like a snack with, you know, saltine crackers and, and something and just like sit and watch Lifetime movies like all afternoon. It's just, it's just what I did. So getting to be in several now, but mainly the, the one that kicked off the 30th anniversary of original movies, just that was a complete out of body experience. I'm like, is this for real? Like, uh, I mean, I just feel so honored. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah. The 30th anniversary. When was that? That actually was May 30th. That was also the day of the major, uh, major national, uh, protests. And I mean, I would say even global national protests over George, George, George Floyd murder, um, which is, you know, obviously kicked off like this much needed overdue race revolution in our country and in our world. But it was, it was very interesting because, you know, stuff hadn't kind of gotten that big in the news when it when the East coast, uh, airing of that movie was happening. So I was like, blissfully on set and you know shooting a romance movie in the middle of Oklahoma on a vineyard live tweeting as I'm like you know doing scenes and then I come home thinking that I'm going to like do the west coast and I go on Twitter having not been on for a couple of hours because you know I've been filming and then I'm like wait a second what's happening in Los Angeles what what's going on and I you know then it's just kind of like oh well we've got to talk about this, you know, this is the more important thing. And it was, it was definitely interesting to not be able to really participate in any of the, any of the protests because, you know, we, we had to quarantine as soon as we got to Oklahoma, we couldn't, we couldn't be around other people. We couldn't go to restaurants. We couldn't do anything that, that people were participating in because we, we had to quarantine for the movie and the protests were happening just a couple of blocks from the Airbnb where I was staying and I could hear the helicopters and the, and you know, the, the gunfire, but that was the rubber bullets, but it still sounds like gunfire and the sirens and everything like that. And, and just, you know, couldn't be a part of anything that was happening because, you know, we're not supposed to even be anywhere. It was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time for sure. Yeah, that's well, that's a crazy dynamic. And now try to concentrate on working in that environment, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're like, let's, let's do some rewrites. I'm like, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) My entire world's flipped upside down, but sure. I can do that for you. (laughs) Yeah. But I will give Danny like the utmost credit. That guy has the calmest head. Like you would never know that anything was happening ever. Like his car could have blown up that morning and he would have been like, okay guys. So uh, I'm thinking that maybe we should rewrite this scene just a little bit. And you're just like, how do you do this? Like, where do you put the stress? Cause I need to know your secrets. Um, it's funny. He's like he, the epitome of that meme of the dog sitting at the table and everything's yeah. on fire. And he's like, this is fine. <laughs> we kept talking about that. Like he, that, that is Danny. He's, he's so calm under pressure. It's like, I, you know, I, I'm like, I just need to learn everything that you know how to do. I need to know how to do this. But, um, you know, he's also, uh, much like Daniel Lewis, who you and I have both worked with and how we know each other. Um, Danny's a great creative producer as well. So it was, it was wonderful to collaborate with him as we were doing different rewrites during, you know, during production and, you know, before production, because he just, he has really wonderful notes that inspire creativity. You know, it's not like tighter, 
but looser where you're like, I don't want this. <laughs> you know, your he, notes make no sense. Has, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His, his notes are like really great. And working with him to, to craft this story was just, it was wonderful. Um, so that That's made great. the, the how, stressful moments less. So <laughs> good. How, how did you guys originally meet? Oh, on that movie in Detroit. Oh, okay. So that was, that was the first yeah. one. And, and so did, uh, did he, he, uh, cast you in a casting agent reached out to you for it or, uh, what? Yeah. What? Uh, a okay. casting director that he and I both know, um, named Paul Reddy, who I work with a bunch at my theater and who would also cast me in another lifetime thriller, um, in 2018, I think, um, randomly contacted, uh, my manager at like nine 30 on a Wednesday night. Um, and my manager calls me and I'm like, uh, Teddy, I'm going to have to take a, this phone call. This is my manager. It's like super late at night. <laughs> is, is she okay? And she's like, Oh, you just booked a movie. And I'm like, I haven't auditioned for a movie. And she's like, I know it was just offered to you. Um, and it's because of Paul Reddy. And, uh, and then I went and met Danny and you know, the rest is history, but it was, it was also, um, that movie, the one we did in Detroit that aired on Lifetime already, uh, the captain Danny was my first villain. I've never been able to play the villain before. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Tell tell me a little bit more about that. Um, how was playing, (laughs) how was playing a villain? What was so exciting about it? (laughs) Well, we, um, the director, Amy Weber and I, we really tried to make her more than just like, look, I'm evil, you know, like, I, so I'm a Meisner actor and we, we go through a whole um, series at the very end of our studies on, uh, about like um, what we call impediments. And that can be playing drunk, um, using an accent, having, um, a, you know, any type, type of disability, um, all kinds of different, you know, things that you would think about not standard. Like how do you act with a gunshot wound? You know, just different things like that, that would physically, um, impede you uh or mentally impede you so how do you work through that impediment as an actor to be truthful and so we tried to give uh this character of emily brown in the movie um a couple of different uh diagnoses that hadn't ever been addressed um the main one was borderline personality disorder and we thought that would just be a lot more um dynamic to play than just you're really evil in this scene um instead it's like what are you manipulating this person to get? Like what, what self aggrandizing thing are you playing out in this scenario? Um, and I did a bunch of research on what, uh, what sort of symptoms manifest themselves in undiagnosed borderline personality disorder and really tried to flavor that in a little bit. Um, you know, obviously we, we move so fast and we have such little time, but we really tried to, to make the character more layered than just like, I'm crazy today, you know, cause that I, I find those, those performances, you know, are just such a missed opportunity. And I, I'm sure everybody wishes that they could go back and, and do it again. But a lot of these things just move so fast and you don't, you know, you don't necessarily have that time. But I was super glad when, um, when Amy Weber was like, let's, let's give her layers. I was like, yeah, this is so cool. I've been waiting forever to play a character like this. That's awesome. It's actually really hard for me to imagine you playing a villain though, because uh, <laughs> I, I just know you and I know you're like naturally just such a nice, caring person. Uh, but I imagine it must've been really fun to uh, let loose on some of that stuff. Yeah. 
it was, it was really cool. Cause it felt like I had a secret the whole time, you know? <laughs> um, so it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, I have to also give credit to the other actors in the movie as well. They were just so much fun to play off and, and work with that. It, it made it quite easy. That's great. So uh, to talk a little more about your writing, you said you, you had like, it, it sounds like you just cranked out so much content so quickly. Um, do you know what is going to get made next or do you know what you want <laughs> to get made next? Well, I have a, I have like a Christmas movie that I, you know, I really love. I think it's super sweet. And I think something that people really want right now is easy content, you know, stuff that's just going to make them happy and, so I would love for that one to get to get off the ground. I also have a couple of comedies uh, series that I've written. One of them is called The Real Housewives of the Oregon Trail, which I would, you know, really, really, really love to see find a home because I think that a lot of people would have a lot of fun watching that show. But, you know, television is so hard to get off the ground anyway, much less in the middle of a pandemic for an unrepresented writer. But uh Never, never say never on something like that. I mean, um, yeah, it, that sounds like a comedy series that you wrote, and it's something that you'd like to see. <laughs> so, where, like, where do you, where do you think would be like a good home for something like that? Real, Real Housewives of the Oregon Trail. I would love to see it on Hulu because actually, I think that they um, they have all of the Real Housewives franchises, so it could be a really funny companion series for them. And I think they they also own the you know, like the hot wives of Orlando and the different mm-hmm. spinoffs. That'd it. be cool. They um, could do like some fun cross promotion on that stuff. That'd be, that'd be yeah. interesting. Yeah. Cool. Have you, have you pitched it to them yet? No, I've, I've actually not, I've not really taken it out um, yet. Uh, Cause a, a bunch of that stuff got finished and then I just went, okay, that's done. What's next? Because, you know, I'm, I, this, I'm a newbie writer, so I don't really know, what the steps are other than just to sit behind my computer and create stuff. So that's mainly what I've been doing. And then now I have like, I feel like Julia Roberts when she comes in and she's got like all the money and she's like, I have all this money and I don't know what to do with it. That's what I feel like with my content, you know, like just, I'm like throwing scripts around. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. It's fun. Um, uh, that's a, that's a good problem to have. I don't think many people have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> So did you, uh, did you, I mean, you cranked out, um, that other script so fast. Uh, is that like your normal pace? Like what, um, what was like your pace on, uh, Real Housewives of the Oregon Trail? Well, that one was a little different because I, that one I wrote in a writing class, but mm-hmm. typically I can finish a project. Well, so the writing class I took, uh, I had this amazing teacher, Carrie Lee Burke, and she teaches comedy writing. And honestly, if it hadn't been for her teaching me how to write my first comedy pilot, I don't know that I would have, you know, continued to do, to do this because she just took so much time because I came from standup. Standup was my first writing. And I met her actually through that. And, and I was like, I would love to turn some of my standup jokes into pilots. And she was like, great, come take my class and I'll teach you how, you know, to structure something in a, in a you know, five act structure and, and how to, you know, put three jokes per page and all these things that I didn't, I had never even heard before because I'd only been an actor. And, um, because Real Housewives of the Oregon Trail actually was from one of my stand-up jokes. So I think that that class lasted six weeks. And by the time it was over, I had a full pilot and a series plan. And much was the same with the series that I wrote about my family 
and then also I just finished writing a drama pilot and uh, developing that series out as well. And so usually they take about like six weeks start to finish to have a completed pilot and sort of series plan. The features take me much less time when I actually sit down to write the script. I, I'm, I'm a big planner. So um, six days is definitely the fastest I've ever written one. But usually it'll, it'll take me about two weeks start to finish. And then I'm, I'm, I have a first draft. I mean, as you know, it's like you've got the first gra- draft. Okay, awesome. So get ready to rewrite that about 15 times. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You never stop um, rewriting it until you've actually shot it. <laughs> and it like, Sorry. even when we were shooting it, you know, like Danny was, was awesome. And he was like, I don't know. I think that the movie should end on this scene instead of this scene. And and so we like really work together to be like, well, let's shoot both. And then the editors can, can decide, you know, kind of thing. And, but, um, and then sometimes you, well, then sometimes you do uh, pickups, you know, <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah. I guess it doesn't stop until it airs. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that we're going to be able to do pickups for this considering that nobody lives right. in Oklahoma, but um, you never know. Um, but uh, it was, it was a really cool experience to kind of see something that like, you know, uh, I remember writing certain scenes and then you're watching actors say those words and you're like, Oh my gosh, I remember what I had for lunch that day. That's so weird. You know, like when I was writing that scene and now it's happening. And, you know, of course, Jonathan Bennett, who played the lead in our movie, is like the most fun person ever to have on set. And it was just devastating to, you know, not be able to like hug everybody every single day because he's just the most lovable person that you'll ever meet. But, uh, you know, we got the movie made at least. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you, you probably... Uh maybe maybe not getting the credit for it yet but definitely uh pioneered um the art in this covid slash post-covid you know we're not really in post-covid we're still in the thick of it yeah uh filmmaking world you know um circling back a little bit but you had mentioned during that two-year period where you're focusing so much on uh developing your writing skills that you read a bunch of books, which, um, did you have like a favorite out of those or one that you thought was particularly helpful? So, um, I know that, you know, I'll get flack for this, but save the cat is really, that's my go-to just because it focuses so strongly on structure. And, um, you know, after I've built the walls and I've got the structure, then you can start to do things differently. But for me, I always like to, to really make sure that I'm, I'm following the, the beat that we are so used to um, when we're watching different films so that at least, at least the structure is there. And then after it's there, I can, I can go off and, you know, um, do what I want. There's a book called write the pilot that um, I read uh, a a friend of mine, Javier Griot Markswatch, who was the showrunner on lost. And he's just a very, very generous, generous writer. He's like, put all of his outlines and pitches and um, pilot scripts and uh, spec scripts and everything. He's got all of that on his website. He also did a huge podcast um, with, with a friend of his and uh, about writing for television. And he's the one who recommended that for me. Um, You know, uh, that book doesn't have like the, here's how you write this act and then this act and then this act, like save the cat does. 
So I, um, but I was in a writing class at the time. So they, they were able to even that out for me. But those two books have definitely been, uh, been helpful. And then, you know, his podcast, which is called Children of Tindu, I think it's on Apple Podcasts or whatever, um, whatever their platform is. They talk all about writing for television. And I listened to that podcast the entire way through while I was making quilts for my niece and nephew, um, who are twins who were born um, a couple years ago. And uh, so, yeah, I just, I ate it up. And I will probably go back and listen to that in its entirety again, just because there's so much knowledge. There's no way that you could possibly absorb it all uh, just through one listen. Wow. it's awesome. That's a lot of good stuff right there. Well, I think we, we covered all of it. So if people want to <laughs> want to follow you and they want to keep up to date on what, what you have going on, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably Instagram. Um, I post a lot of, of stuff on there, including really great um, panda pictures on, on the daily. Cause I, I love panda bears. Um, but my, uh, my Instagram handle is I am oyster. And then um, on Twitter, it's just at Austin Highsmith. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Austin. Um, we'll Thank have you to have you again me. sometime. <laughs> I'd love it. Thank you for listening. And we hoped you enjoyed the show. Be sure to give us a shout at yeahbutseriously.com.